Tonight's gospel is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. And then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. He asked him, Teacher, what is the most popular of all the laws? Jesus replied, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The lawyer, further wanting to justify himself, asked Jesus, Yes, that is what is written, but who is my enemy? Jesus answered by telling him this. There was a man who was standing in line for bread in a crowded market. It was a very long line, and it was very hot. It was late in the day, late in the day to be buying bread, and he was worried that it would run out before it was his turn. Because he was kind of bored and a little anxious, he began to rehearse in his mind all the people he hated, because it engaged his attention and brought him some measure of satisfaction. He had tried first to think of all the people that he loved, but that somehow wasn't as fun or interesting. First, he thought of the enemies of his country, those who had mercilessly attacked his country's borders and killed many innocent people. In one most notorious incident, they had bombed a grade school, killing nearly 100 students. He thought, they will get theirs. If they think they can get away with that, they have another thing coming. Although he wasn't in the military, and he was really not a violent man, he didn't imagine some vague retaliation that might take place somewhere at some time. He didn't need to be specific in his imagination. He only needed to think the phrase, if they think they can get away with that, they have another thing coming. Then the man thought of his brother, who had finished the last of the bread before he'd even got up. His brother was the reason the man was here waiting in this long, hot line in this crowded market so late in the day. He'd not even planned on buying bread today. He thought they had plenty and that they would have, and that they had plenty of bread. And then his brother had eaten it all, nearly a whole one-pound loaf, which should have lasted the whole family another day. 
His brother had been doing stuff like this his entire life. He would not even have been there to eat the bread if he hadn't gotten fired from his job for who knows what reason. What, he didn't believe any lame excuse his brother told him. Now he had to support his brother, and his brother didn't even seem grateful. He was always like that, like he deserved anything he wanted, everything he wanted, no matter who he had to take it from or who he hurt. He should throw his brother out. As a matter of fact, he thought to himself, he's going to throw that lazy, no-good so-and-so out in the street as soon as he got home. He would not be taken advantage of anymore. Just then, Jesus continued, the person in front of him stepped back and came down hard on the man's big toe. Damn it! The man said, what is wrong with you? Can't you, can't you watch where you're stepping? The one who stepped on his toe replied loudly, Who do you think you are talking to me like that? If you weren't crowding me, your giant foot wouldn't have been stepped on. Crowding you, replied the man? This is a line. This is how lines work. Someone stands behind somebody else. Just back off, the toe stepper said, very aggressively, seemingly implying a threat. It was at that point that the man noticed the toe stepper was quite a bit larger than he was. And unlike him, he seemed that he might be a violent man. So he backed up a bit and stared at the ground and thought to himself how much he hated the toe stepper, what he would do to him if he were a violent person. And he didn't want to lose his place in line. At that point, he looked and realized that it was the toe stepper's turn, and then he was next. And then he saw that there were still two loaves of bread left. The toe stepper bought them both. The man lost it, yelling at the vendor, he can't do that, he can't buy two loaves, that's not fair. Now when other people are in line, he yelled at the toe stepper, you cannot do that. What kind of person are you? He reached for one of the loaves of bread the toe stepper was holding. That was a mistake. The toe stepper shoved him hard and he fell back on the ground hitting his head. The toe stepper left him, and the man sat there on the ground, touching the back of his head to see if he was bleeding and thinking of all the people he hated. Now, said Jesus to the lawyer, which of them was the man's true enemy? The foreign country that killed the innocents? The brother who ate all the bread? Or the toe stepper who knocked him to the ground? The lawyer thought a while, and then he said, all of them were his true enemies, for he hated them all. Jesus replied, You have answered correctly. Go and hate likewise. Okay, that's obviously not in the Bible, okay? <laughs> yeah, and um, Jesus did not say that. But you know what? He didn't say... It's, it's not in the Bible, this thing that Jesus quotes isn't in the Bible anywhere either. Jesus says... You have heard that it's said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy like he's quoting the Hebrew Bible or something. I mean, where is that said? I looked for it. I couldn't find it anywhere in any ethical code, not in Litovic, not in Deuteronomy. It's nowhere in the Hebrew Bible. So why does Jesus say you have heard it said? Then it occurred to me, it doesn't need to be in the Bible. I mean... The notion of loving people you like and, like, 
hating the people who for some reason, justified or not, have offended you or hurt you, hating those people, that doesn't need to be in the Bible because it's like it's in all of our emotional DNA. We know that. We feel it. It's actually a bedrock principle on which the world works. You hate your enemies. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is saying that this is a bedrock principle of how the empire of the world works. But it's not how the empire of heaven works. He says, love your enemies, give to those who take from you. If someone hurts you, don't hurt them back. But, you know, like, how do you not hate somebody that you hate? I mean, hate, you might be thinking, well, hate's kind of a strong word. I mean, I don't really hate people, you know, and I know you. You're not that kind of person. But maybe it's like anger is another word you could use. Maybe, maybe even um, the man in Jesus' parable of the hater didn't really hate. He was just super, super angry. So it's just these words that they're both trying to get at the same thing, right? You can't just decide not to be angry when you're angry. I mean, can you decide to, like, love someone, just make a decision? Couldn't you decide just by making some intellectual choice to be, like, overcome with giddy happiness? Try it. No, I mean, these are your feelings. I mean, this is how you feel. Maybe, maybe sometimes you can do something like that. Or maybe you can pretend to feel a different way than you feel. So what are we supposed to do? I mean, this is the question that we've been running up against time after time in the six weeks that we've been preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. See, the Sermon on the Mount, like in this context of the Roman Empire, the Sermon on the Mount is this beautiful, amazing, radical proposal for resistance. Because it's written just after Titus, who succeeds his father as emperor during this period, destroys Jerusalem along with the temple. And so in this cultural concept context. This is not a call to arms, but it's an invitation to a nonviolent reorientation of civilization. There is only one problem. It might depend on our ability to be perfect. Brother Will Campbell is this, like, the most amazing minister I know or have ever even heard about. During the Civil Rights Movement, he worked as an organizer he marched with Reverend King, but he also prayed with Ku Klux Klan members before they went to jail. He spoke sympathetically about poor white farmers that worked against the civil rights movement. He got into trouble from both sides because he refused to hate his enemy. He refused to even name an enemy, but instead he worked for justice for everybody. He tried to live out the principles of the empire of heaven. I want to share with you the story that he told me one time. He said, when he was in grade school, this is during the Depression, he would bring for lunch just one cold sweet potato because his family was very, very poor, and that's all they had. Well, one day at lunch, he saw this kid, Jimmy Morton, whose family had a lot of money by comparison. And Jimmy Morton, he pulled out this whole loaf of sliced bread. Will said that he'd never eaten a piece of sliced bread before in his life. They never had sliced bread. It was too expensive to buy bread from the store. Will was sitting there holding his cold yam, and Jimmy pulls out 
this crock of butter and sits there eating slice after slice of bread with butter on it. And Will said it made his stomach growl. He could practically taste it. He couldn't believe that Jimmy Mortensen was going to sit there and eat a whole loaf of sliced bread and butter all by himself. He saw that Jimmy was kind of slowing down. And when there was just the heel of that loaf of bread left, Will said he got up the courage and he asked him, do you think I could just have one little taste of that sliced bread? And Jimmy Mortensen wadded that thing up and shoved the whole thing in his mouth. And Will says, I hate that damn Jimmy Mortensen. I hate him now. Every time I butter a slice of bread, I hate him. I just can't let that one go. So if this saint can't do it, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do to change the way I am? Well, this question of what are we supposed to do, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but like at House of Mercy, we really don't like to tell people what to do. We, don't, we figure we'll just read the Bible and we'll talk to you what we think about it, and then you are smart and thoughtful people and we'll go out and do what you do. But you know what? Today, I want to tell you what to do. I want to tell you what to do because this, I've been struggling with this, and it's right here in the text. Jesus doesn't say, uh, stuff your feelings. He doesn't say, don't feel your feelings. He says, pray for your enemies. And in the middle of this whole three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, right in the very center of it is the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Because I think the only way that we have any hope of living in this reoriented way, this, by the values of this empire of heaven, is by coming before the one who is transforming us, who is loving us, who did not retaliate when his own creation murdered him, but used that murder as the very means of salvation. So I'm saying to you, pray. And don't pray like in the way that we were taught in Sunday school. Bring yourself before the one who transforms us, who loves us. If you don't know how to pray, learn how to pray. I think it's the only hope for the empire. And we have plenty of bread here. 